0: This morning I, I got up and I was looking at the computer and I was looking at the news and I, I was talking, telling Troy about it before service this morning. And I said, uh, there was an article from Fox. that said that in North Korea this week, uh, recently, uh, that there was a family uh, that was caught with a Bible. And it's something that just hit me so hard this morning. They were caught with God's Word. And those North Korean people, those dictators, those evil regime that they're under, took that family and took their even their newborn infant and said that these people will be in bondage and slavery for the rest of their days because they were caught with God's Word. And how convicting it is that we won't even open it. How convicting it is when you beg and plead people to bring their Bibles and they won't bring them. That just over an ocean, there are people that are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ, amen? Let us as Americans start to be thankful for the freedoms and the blessings that we have been bestowed that we do not deserve, amen? There was a story about Memorial Day that when I was a kid, I remember a story, and it was—I love history. If anybody knows me, I love history. I love listening about war, the, the wars, and the people that came before us and the people that fought. And there was a story that I had heard of a Holocaust survivor. This young, this man was a young child during the Holocaust. He had grew up in World War II, of course. He had been at that spot where the Germans had taken them out of their homes and taken them uh, into these camps. He had seen his loved ones die. He had seen uh, the the starvation. He had seen the torture. He had seen all of these things happen that me and you can't even wrap our minds around. And he said it was getting close to the end and, and there was rumors starting to stir, but they didn't believe it because they had seen so much bad. These men and women were starting to give up. They were just saying, this is what our life is. There came a day, though, where those German captors left. They took off out of the camp, and they were nowhere to be found. They were pack and tail, and they were running. And they had no clue what in the world was going on, but they started to hear tanks, and they started to see airplanes, and they started to see people coming from the sky. And they said, who is that? And those poor beaten bodies would look through the cracks. And they said, it's angels coming. And they said, no, it ain't angels, it's the Americans. And in that moment, I heard that story and I said, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be where God has let me come from. But it is a great responsibility that we have as this nation to continue to fight for what is right and for what is good. Sometimes we don't know what we're fighting for, but when you see bad in the world, you know what you're fighting against. And we are fighting against, even right here, right now, a battle that we as Christians must still continue to fight on our knees that God will liberate those people that need liberating. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as great as those liberating soldiers were, those people that came into those camps, to to, to take those people out, to give them freedom, to liberate them. We have a God that has done so much more in our life that he looked down in each and every single one of us and said they are captive, they are slaves, but yet I am going to liberate them and the way I did it is by the way of the cross and what a freedom that we have as believers today, amen, that God liberated us to set us free from a situation, especially imprisonment and slavery. I remember the day that I was under slavery. I remember the day that I was in imprisonment. I remember the day that I had no hope, but I can stand before you today as a witness that God has saved me and that there is not one person here in this room that God can't save. There's not one person in this room that has went too far. There's not one person in this room that that God's loving arms can't stretch out to say, Son, daughter, I love you. But guys, I hope and pray today that we see this story of Christ. There's no better story in all the Bible that lines out who Jesus is and why he came this morning. It's in Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. This story is, it, it just, I told Gina last night, I said, I don't know what this message is going to turn into. It could be one of those spitting, and slobbering, and just excited, cheering on Jesus kind of messages because I don't see how you can read this and not get excited about Jesus and what he's done. I don't see how you can't read this and just get a little bit, whoo, I just got to cheer on Jesus this morning. I just got to lift him up and I just got to lift his name because he deserves it. Before we get started, I want us to pray. Go to Philippians 2, starting in verse 5, uh, and then let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings that you give us. Lord, thank you on this Memorial Day that we can thank, be thankful for the freedoms that we have this morning. Lord, we, we ask you to be with the soldiers that are fighting now. We thank you for the servicemen that have fought in the past. And we are thankful for the ones that have given their life. And Lord, I am thankful today that you, God, are our great liberator. Lord, that you've saved us and that you made a way for us where we didn't deserve it. And Lord, let us for just a moment see you. And Lord, just let us feel you, Lord. Let us seek you, Lord. And Lord, I pray, God, today that you save somebody. Lord, I pray, God, that today, right here, right now, you start to convict a heart from the beginning to end. And at the end, give them enough strength and enough faith to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. And Lord, ask you, God, again to do as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. But one of the greatest passages about Christ is this. And Paul lays out the ultimate example as for us as believers that we should remember and what we should imitate. In Philippians 2, starting in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and he took Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and, and of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we get started, guys, I want you to understand in verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you. What kind of mind should we have this morning? It should not be one to be lifted up above others we see the Bible says what mind should be in you as believers. It says that you should be a servant, you should be humble, and you should be obedient. And we're going to see an example of that is exactly what Jesus was. He came as a servant, he was humble, and he was obedient all the way to the cross. But in verse 6, we must understand before we get started, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Before we get started, we must understand one thing, and that is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Now, we hear that all the time. When people say, well, Jesus is this person, or Jesus is this person, or he's a great teacher, or he is this, or he is that. Let me tell you something. And I know most of us know it in here, but let us be reminded, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Take all of him. There's no in-between or take none of him at all, but he is God. Jesus wasn't just righteousness. He is the embodiment of righteousness. He, the Bible says that he came the form of God. What that really means is being, being in the form of God, it says the very being of God. All that Jesus was is all of what God is. In the form of God, he possessed the very attributes of God himself. Being equal with God, he was equal on an equal field with God himself. Guys, I cannot get my mind wrapped around the love of God that he sent himself as Jesus into this world to die death, to live a life that me and you deserve death and a life that we couldn't live. Guys, I can't imagine and wrap my mind around the love that God has for us. That he sent his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, into the world to save people from their sins. It says in John 10, 30, it says, I and my father are one. John 10, 30. Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. John 8:58. He's been the always existing Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We call him all kinds of things, but the Bible calls him Emmanuel. The Bible calls him the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of the end, and the end. The Bible calls him the lily of the valley and the bright and morning star. He is the great I Am, Jehovah-Jireh, provider. He is Jehovah-Jireh. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. He is our Savior. He is our King, and He is our Lord. Jesus is so much beyond what this world is making Him. Jesus is God. He loved you so much that He was willing to live a life that you couldn't to die a death that you should have. He should have been met with gold and pearls and kingdoms and all kinds of people laying their life down for him. He should have came into this world as God. And it do, I just, again, can't wrap my mind around that Jesus came as a lowly baby into the world and that he didn't have any praise. He didn't have any worship. He was just so humble and so meek And he didn't come the way that he deserved. Jesus deserved them to be rolling out the gold streets for him. But yet he didn't get it. He should deserve the kingdoms. He deserved the palaces. But guys, I want you to understand this is where we're going to get going. But instead of that, in verse 7, he said, But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Guys, get your mind wrapped around that that the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, the Lord himself, came into the world when he deserved all the riches and all the fame. And in that moment, he took the form of a servant. And all of his life, that's what he was. He was always waiting on the people. He was always giving his time to others, he was always wearing himself out in this humanly flesh that he took on to heal their ailments, to take care of their blindness, to take care of their death, to, to let the lame walk, to, uh, to raise the dead. He, all that he said he did, he's pouring himself out as a servant. Guys, as Christians today, I believe we've confused what we are supposed to be. We are servants. We are not to be served. We are to be servants as an example of what Jesus Christ was. Why in the world do we think we're greater than he is? If the Lord of the universe stepped out of glory as a servant, how in the world that those that are saved by his grace believe that we are not called to be servants as well? We are. We are called to lift him up and to serve others as Jesus would. But in verse 7, it says that Jesus came to us, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus, come to us. Most people, if you ask them today, how do I get to heaven? I used to have a person on my route. So I, I love those days of thinking on my route truck. when That was some of the days where I got to witness to people all the time uh, I was around folks that just didn't go to church. God placed people in my path. And I would always go to people and I'd be like, hey, do you know Jesus Christ? Yeah, I know him. I know who he is. Yeah, he's great. I, I put him in there with Confucius or I put him in there with Buddha or I, I put him in there as a, one of the greatest teachers that's ever lived. He was a good guy. He loved people. He was a great teacher. He was all these things. I said, you're missing it. Who is Jesus. What does Jesus mean to you? And if I asked you a question, how do you get to God? They would always do the same thing. They would always say, well, because it's in our human hearts that that Satan puts it there sometimes. He says, if you're going to get to God, you must be above and beyond. You must work your way. So if you ask most people today that have never heard of Christ, they've never heard of Jesus, they've never been to church, and you ask them how to get to heaven... Every one of them almost will say, I must be good enough. Surely, goodness, if I do enough, uh, the balances will weigh out. And when I get to go to heaven, I will be on the top side instead of the bottom side. And it is in so many people that they think that they have to get to God. And we got to reach up to him. And we've known this and we've been taught this. that he did, It is not that we reach up to him. It is that he came down to us. And that's what makes Jesus, Jesus, that the Lord of the universe came down to us. It's amazing, guys. But most people, we ask, how do you get to God? But guys, we must understand that Jesus came to us. He took the form of a servant, always giving himself to others. The Lord we are to serve, serve others. The Lord we are to love, loved us. The Lord that we are to adore, cares for us. The Lord that we are to seek, seeked us. And he says that it made himself of no reputation. That means that he emptied himself. He gave all and not a drop left. Jesus went all the way. He talked the talk and he walked the walk all the way. He emptied himself where there was nothing left. Matthew Henry says in, in, his, uh, in, his, in his book, it says he emptied himself. He divested himself of the honors and glories of the upper world and of his former appearance to clothe himself with the rags of human nature. His entire upbringing upbringing was humility. I mean, Jesus, when he was born, was born to a mom and a dad in human form that were not your rich people. They were very, very, very just meek, humble folks. We know that the Bible says that Joseph was a carpenter. We know that Jesus more than likely learned carpentry from his dad. Guys, Jesus was, from his very, very beginnings, was humble. He was not even from a town where anybody thought anything good came from. The Bible says that he came and he grew up in Nazareth. We know that the Bible, they said, man, what good even comes out of Nazareth? Guys, from the very beginning. He was teaching us to be humble, to not be putting ourselves on this big high plane like everybody else expected. And that's why people hated him so much. He was supposed to be king. He was supposed to be all these earthly things. And he was not what they anticipated. But yet, even from this town of nobodies came a man that changed the world, that changed society, that just split time in two. In just a short amount of time, in just a hundred miles walked, he has changed society from the top on down. His entire upbringing, though, from his father's trade to his hometown, he had no distinction. He had no praise. He was only a tradesman, and the Bible calls him a man of sorrow. That's Jesus. He was a servant who voluntarily chose to serve another. That's Jesus. And in verse 3, it says that Jesus walked the walk. In verse 8, And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. He fashioned himself and he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus went all the way. The fact that he said, Lord, let your will be done is amazing as well. This is driving me nuts. I'm sorry, guys. But the cross, that Jesus came into the world as a servant. He came to love others. He came to show us what it meant to love. He came to heal. He came to show people who he was. I think of the lepers. I think of the people that were on the outside looking in in society, that life had left them into an absolute awful place where nobody wanted them, and those lepers would stand on the outside of the fence and they would just yell, unclean, 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 and to think that the world had threw them astray, but here comes another man that they have never seen before and his name is Jesus and he walks their way and he sits there and he takes that leper that nobody will touch by the hand and he grabs that that man or that woman and says, I love you. And then in a twinkling of an eye, in a blink of a moment, he could heal them. And I think of that one leper where the nine took off running and they said, thank you for the healing. We're going to go and uh, we're going to go see ourselves healed and we're going to tell the priest and it's all good, but that one turn back. Guys, we need to be that one that turned back. That one moment where Jesus talked to you and he spoke to you and he healed you and you were a leper looking in and you said, God, there ain't no way that anybody can love me, but yet God loved you anyway despite you. And that moment that he started to call you by name to your memory... Guys, it's something that should never get old. But yet we tend to just let our blessings become our curse. But so many times we are running and we're saying, God, thank you for the healing, and we're never looking back to Jesus. But yet that one leper, he started to go back with the boys. Amen, I'm healed, I'm good. But then he said, but wait. I'm healed. You did it. And that man came back and he got on the feet of Jesus and he said, my Lord, my God. And Jesus, what he did in that man, he said, son, go home. Tell them all what I've done for you. And that man, what a, what a homecoming that must have been. But guys, we must be a people that remember what Jesus did. And that Jesus, that same Jesus that healed that leper, that same Jesus that healed the blind, that same Jesus that was there for all these people was the same Jesus that went to the cross Guys, the cross, I, what a humiliation it was. It was complete humiliation. But God, Jesus said, I care more about obedience to my Father's will. And I'm going to submit to Him. First Samuel says, Hath the Lord as a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, and in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. You know what? That, that's what God wants from us. Sometimes we give God all the sacrifice. We give Him all the burnt offerings. We give Him all that we think that He needs and He wants. He said, I'm not impressed by your sacrifices and your burnt offerings. I want you. I want you, and I want you to obey me. You know, that's all that God wants from us, guys, is our obedience. And so many times we try to give Him everything but our obedience And we think that he's going to be satisfied with it and he's happy with it. God wants you. And he don't want nobody else but you. And he wants all of you. And if you're not willing to give him all of you, then you might as well give him none of you. Give him all. No man taketh it from me, he said. When I died on the cross, and when he laid himself on the cross, he says, no man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again this commandment have I received of my Father in John 10, 18. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him do the same, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus voluntarily took up the cross. Guys, I... I so many times we, we look at Jesus and we, we think of the cross, oh, it was awful and it was bad and they stripped him and they, they beat him and they, they did all these things to him and They did all this and it's so bad and it's so But It don't stir us quite like it should. I just can't quit thinking about those people this morning. That this word right here is all the hope that they have in their life. Guys, I want you to imagine that this morning if you got caught with this in your home. That soldiers would come in, throw you in prison, take your family, murder you, and those people still are willing to risk it. Because whatever is in this book is life. And they know that the life they've been given, there is no hope, there is no meaning, but this book right here gives it all. They know that there's a God who loves them and they know that there's a God who cares for them and they know that there's a God that gives them a hope of heaven beyond this nasty world that they're in. But let me tell you something, guys. This church and our American people have forgotten that. No longer does the cross mean much. No longer does sacrifice mean much. No more does it mean much when God says, lay down your life, voluntarily take up your cross. That's when the rubber meets the road. You want to grow to a church to about 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, we're going to take out the cross and we'll all be happy. We're going to talk, take get sin out of here. We'll all be happy. You going to quit talking about what Jesus wants from us and we want to talk about not having obedience and we want to talk about not doing is what God actually does. You know what we're going to see? We'll go to five, 6,000 people. But you start talking about the blood and you start talking about laying down your life. You start talking about picking up the cross and you'll see the crowds depart. But that's what the Bible says. Jesus said that I laid down my life for my friends. And the Bible says to pick up your cross daily and to follow him. I don't want to have to pick up a cross. We know what the cross is. That was for Jesus. No, that was for you. That same cross that Jesus took on is the same cross that we are called to take on. That moment that when you say, well, what does it mean to voluntarily take it up? You hear people all the time that say, I'm bearing the cross in my life. Let me tell you what bearing the cross is. Bearing the cross is not some ailment that you have. You say, well, Brandon, I'm sick. That's not bearing the cross. You say, well, Brandon, I'm Uh, I got this ailment. That's not bearing the cross. I got this problem at home. That's not bearing the cross. I got this issue that I'm dealing with. That's not bearing the cross. What bearing the cross is, is in that moment where you didn't have to and you took it up anyway. It's in that moment where you're at home or you're at school or you're at your work. It's in that moment where nobody's following Jesus It's in that moment where it's only you and you have a choice to make. And you say, I am voluntarily going to take up this cross today and I'm going to lay myself on it and I'm going to put it on my back and I'm voluntarily going to be living for Jesus, even if it costs me my life. That's what it means to voluntarily pick up something. Jesus didn't have to do it but he voluntarily laid his life down. And I'm going to ask you, church, how many times do we voluntarily lay our life down for Christ? When we say, God, here I am, and I don't have to, but I'm willing to because I am saved, I am blood-bought, I am saved by the blood of Jesus, I am a new man, I'm a new creature, and I belong to him more than I belong to the world. But let me tell you something, that world is awfully strong and we tend to bend to it. But God's telling you to voluntarily go against it. Right. To say, I don't care what the world wants from me, I'm going to go with what God wants from me. Amen. And you don't have to again, but you voluntarily do it. Guys, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, And follow me. The mocking, guys, was more. Jesus did so much more than we deserve. You think of the mocking that he went through. If all that Jesus ever did for you was go through the mocking, the spitting, the ripping out of his beard, that's more than you deserved. If Jesus would only went through the scourging, the cat of nine tails on his back, the ripping of his flesh, the blood that was coming out. If that's all he did for you, that was more than you deserve. The beating was more than I deserve, but yet he did more. The cross bearing was more than I deserve, but yet he did more. The stripping was more than we deserve, but yet he did more. The nails and the blood that was poured on the cross was more than we deserved, but yet he did more. He went all the way. He emptied himself in the form of a servant to pour his entire lifeblood out. For you and for me. Guys, what a savior. What a servant. And finally, we see that there is no name like Jesus. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow with things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guys, God deserves our praise. God deserves our love and our obedience and our service. Jesus, that perfect, loving, saving, healing Lord, they killed him. And today, many still do. Either we use his name as a joke or we we use his name as a curse word and we're so quick to use his name in a vain, blasphemous way You don't see that name used anywhere else. You don't see people talking about Muhammad in that way. You don't see people yelling out the name of Confucius in that way. You don't see people talking about any of them, Buddha or any of them. They respect them. They won't say a word. But we'll use Jesus' name as a cuss word like it ain't nothing. And I believe it is because there is no name like Jesus. And you either hate him or you love him. He's either yours or he isn't. Because the Bible says that to those that are saved by his blood and what he did for us, there is no greater name that has ever existed. Either we use his name as a joke or a curse word, but to us who are saved, there is no name like Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given among heaven where among men whereby we must be saved. That's why people hate Jesus. Because he is so, it is the way of the cross or it's no way at all. It's either Jesus or it's nothing. It's either my way or it's no way. It's either by the way of my blood or it's not. It is very, very small door. And the Bible says, few that go in. Now, there's a wide gate, but there's a narrow way. And the Bible says that it is the narrow way of the cross that a man must go into salvation. And people hate it because we want options. What do you mean? What do you mean that there's no other way to heaven? What do you mean that my works ain't good enough? What do you mean that these other people aren't going to go to heaven with the gods that they serve? No, I'm telling you, the Bible says that Jesus is the only way. The only way. And that's hard to hear. But my goodness, my friends, it's great when you realize that all I've got to do is surrender to Him, give my life to Him, and He does the absolute rest. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name given among heaven, among men, whereby we must be saved. Guys, he is my hope. He is my redeemer. He is my friend. He is my father. He is my Lord. And he is all that I have. And he gives me meaning in my life. How about you? Is he all of those things to you? Is he your redeemer? Is he your friend? Is he your father? Is he your Lord? Is he all that you have this morning? Verse 10 through 11, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and the things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The day will come whether you will bow to him now or this world will bow to him later, but there is going to be a day where every knee and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord This world might have killed him when he was here, but there were gonna be a day where they will all bow to him. He is gonna, not only is he the lamb, he's coming back as the lion and he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. But today, guys, the day will come where we will all bow to him. But guys, we must understand who Jesus is, why he came and the importance of his servanthood. He did all that he did to show this world that he loves you, that he died for you, that he lived a life that you couldn't, that he died a death that you should have, and that it is only by the way of the cross that where a man or woman must be saved. There is no hope beyond the hope of Jesus Christ. If you can give it to me, I'll listen. There is no other hope besides Jesus. All of us have that problem of sin, sorrow, and death. He's the only one that's got the answers. And he's the only one that gives us a purpose for our life, a meaning for our life, and reason for living in our life. But the Bible says that today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, today. And if somebody in this room here this morning, you say, Brandon, I've never been saved. I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior. I've, never, I've always made him a teacher. Or I've made him what I've wanted to make him. No, my friend, if you've never made him Lord of your life, to say, God, here I am, put the shackles on me. I'm a slave to sin, now I want to be a slave to you. And what you realize is when God puts the shackles on your arms, it's really setting you free that God is willing to go and I'm willing to be and I'm willing to say what you want me to say and I'll do what you want me to do and I'll be what you want me to be. Guys, it is convicting to me this morning. It probably changed my whole aspect of my sermon when I read that article this morning. I'm so convicted of where we've become that there are people that are willing to die for their faith, but yet most of us won't even come back on a Sunday night. It convicts me that Wednesday night we're busy and we're stressed and we're just safe, forget it. While just across an ocean, people are willing to lay down their entire families for what this Bible says. Now I'm going to ask you here today and this morning, what does this Bible mean to you? What is, is the Lord to you? Who is Jesus in your life? Have you made him something that's a tradition? Have you made him a southern tradition? Every house we go to this morning, every, t- every house we go into Lebanon, oh, I know Jesus. Oh, I walked the aisle. Oh, I did that at VBS. I, I, I got baptized. I did all those things. What are you talking about? I'm saved. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he your friend? Do you talk with him? Do you commune with him? Does he direct you? Is he all those things to you? Otherwise, friends, we've made him into a tradition instead of our Lord. Now, the same thing he's telling those North Koreans to do this morning, he's telling Americans to do the same. Just because we have these amazing freedoms don't mean that we need to be taking advantage of our freedoms because we are in no better shape than they are. And we can go right here from Hillcrest Baptist Church on a Sunday morning with all the things that we have and we could go straight to hell. But if you trust in Jesus, giving Him all that you have, Lord, I'm trusting only you to save me. None of me, all of you. You trust Him by faith in His marvelous grace. He'll save you. But know that He's wanting to work a work in you And that you are no longer yours, but you are his. And whatever God's calling you to do today, you come. We're going in a moment of invitation. And whatever God wants, I'm going to pray. They're coming to sing. If you need me to talk with you, I'd love to talk with you. Grab David by the arm. Grab somebody and say, I'm ready to be saved. I don't want to be that person that gives God my lip service. I want to be that man or that woman that gives God my life. I want to be used, I want to be serving, I want to be all in. If we were in North Korea today, what would we do? Would we throw our Bibles out the window? Would we say, no, 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 that's my neighbor's, that ain't mine? Or would we stand on the solid rock of Jesus? It convicts me that those people are willing to die for their faith, but we're not willing to go to our neighbor to even witness to him. We won't even go into our homes. We won't, we won't go into our schools. We won't go into our places of work. And we set on the Bible and never use it. But yet, there's people all over the world that this is all the hope that they have. Whatever God's calling us to do to reset our fire, to say, God, I'm ready to be those kind of people right here in America to change the world around us to let their people know that there's still a redeemer, that there's still a savior, that there's still someone that can save them. And Lord, let it be me. Lord, here I am, send me. And if God's calling you to do anything today, you come. Let's pray.